Um, we'll begin our tape. Uh, this thing that we've just done in altering our liturgy to extend uh, the um, acknowledgement of the scriptures, I think is really important. Yesterday, uh, this was the first Sabbath of the Torah readings for the new year. And in synagogues around the world, the, the Parsha Bereshit was read. Instructions and understanding was given by the rabbis. Today's, today in churches all around the world, biblical texts based on the Christian cycle of readings uh, are being used for worship and homilies given by priests, ministers, and pastors. And in many of the free churches, uh, biblical texts chosen by the pastor uh, for the basis of his sermon are being read. And together, it it's, can be established that Judaism and Christianity are faith-based, uh, faiths that are based on sacred texts, uh, believed to be the Word of God. One of the things that's really important, we live in a time when uh, everybody's got an opinion about everything, and they particularly have a, uh, an opinion about God and about uh, what God wants and those kinds of things. I'm a text Christian. I am a firm believer that the one thing we know for certain that has come from God that is in this world are these texts that are here. And I want our children and I want us to be reminded every week that the Bibles that we hold in our hands are good translations, but they are not the Word of God in the same way that these texts are. In that Hebrew text, in that Greek text, are the words that God actually gave to Israel and to us in the context of the inspiration of those scriptures. And therefore, it's important for us to be familiar with those. One of the primary spiritual disciplines of both Judaism and Christianity is the memorization of scripture. So today I want to speak about this, particularly as we begin to systematically memorize uh, the beginning verses of each of the books of the Torah uh, and each of the Gospels during this next year. Now what I intend for us to do is while the traditional readings are of Genesis, we will do the Genesis and John passages. We will then switch when it moves to Exodus, switch again when it moves to each of the books, and bring ourselves around next year to this time. So I want you to turn with me to a passage you're very familiar with, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, a passage that you have memorized not only in English, but you have it memorized in Hebrew because we have done the Shema together as a congregation. And I think it gives you an understanding of why the original language is important. There's a connection to God's people Israel. There's a connection to these ancient texts in a way that you don't get just by reciting uh, the English. In, in um, this passage it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words, which I command you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, 
and on your gates. This notion of these words shall be on your heart is an important thing. I don't know if children talk this way anymore, but when I was growing up, there, were, there was a difference between what you knew generally and what you knew by heart. We would say, I know that by heart. And what that meant was, I can, I can clearly recite it. And we would learn to recite the ABCs. We would re- learn to recite uh, our times tables. And those things were things that we had learned and we knew them by heart. And that learning something by heart, I've, I've noticed uh, my generation learned the Pledge of Allegiance uh, by heart. A lot of current kids don't know it by heart. Um, there is something about putting words on your heart, memorizing things that make them accessible and they trigger those words and those memories when you need them in context. So God commanded Israel and said, I want you to put these things in your heart. I want you to bind them on your hands. I want you doing them. I want them as frontals on your forehead. I want you thinking about them. I want you to write them on your doorpost. I want your life to be saturated with my word. Because the world is going to saturate us with it. And it's a lot easier to internalize that. So, it's important for us to do this. Now, God uh, repeats this in Deuteronomy chapter 11. So, if you'll just turn over a few pages. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. God says, Beware that your hearts are not deceived, and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. Or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, And he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain. And the ground will not yield its fruit. And you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Therefore you shall impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. And you shall bind them for a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons. Talking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that the days of, of your sons and your days will be multiplied on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens remain above the earth. Now what God is doing is saying, I want my word in your heart. I don't want you forgetting me. I don't want you to uh, miss this, reinforce this, because we're likely to forget him. Uh, you, you know this. You spend a lot of time uh, learning things, uh, particularly if you've gone to college. And in college, we are, well, actually in elementary school, we are taught now to use our short-term memory. Our short-term memory, there's two aspects of memory. There's a short-term memory that's used kind of for the general framework. And then there's the long-term memory. That's the memory that stays with you. A lot of times when people begin to have dementia, the short-term memory becomes non-functional in terms of transfer to the long-term memory. And sometimes the only thing people have is the long-term memory. They will go back and function at a time 
where they actually learned that information. So what we're supposed to do in impressing this on our hearts is get it into our long-term memory, not use the short-term memory. Now, I, it, the danger here is to think the short-term memory is not important. Short-term memory is important too. But God is wanting us to use the short-term memory and the long-term memory together to get his word impressed upon our hearts. The reason for that is so that we don't forget him, as the earlier passage read today is, that if you are risen, think of, uh, live as if you're in the kingdom and not on earth. And that means that we have to be focused on kingdom things and we need God's word dwelling in our hearts. In Psalm 119, we have these words. Psalm 119.11, a passage that many, many, many people uh, have memorized over the years. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might that I may not sin against you. I've got it memorized in King James. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may might not sin against you. I don't care which translation really you memorize it in, as long as it's a literal translation. This text, this word hid or treasured, has the idea of being sealed in the heart. It is it is locked in. For access to you. I, I, I value this enough to keep it in a place where I can get to it. Okay? Now we all have places that we have put things that we don't know where they are. It's not that kind of hidden. Uh, uh, the idea here is that we will not violate God's commandments if we have them memorized. We will not violate God's will if we have his will memorized. Well, where is his will? It's not out there in the circumstances. It's in this text. And this text is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So, in Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul tells the Colossians, and by extension us, these words in verses 15 to 17. says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonition, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now it would be very easy for a modern Christian, a post-modern Christian, to interpret this in a general sense independent of the scriptures. But that is not in Paul's mind. Paul's mind is that the word of the Messiah, proclaimed in the Torah and expressed in the Gospels, would be that which permeates the community and that we would remember that, and one of the ways you remember that is to put it to music. And so the idea is the chants that are normally done for the scriptures are part of that memorization and part of what's going on. So strictly, we are told that the Torah and the Gospels are to be memorized. All of the scriptures should be learned. 
but the foundation and focus of the scriptures are the Torah and the Gospels. And so we have, as a congregation, decided to make that explicit in the removal of the Torah scroll, in the removal of the Gospels. And my goal is that the day will come when these are not props, but they are actually used to read the text in both the Hebrew and the Greek. Now, I may not live long enough to see that, but there are children in this congregation who will have that knowledge and skill if we begin the steps now, and that's why we're doing it. And we're not just dumping it on them. We are doing it with them because we must lead in that process. So we are beginning a joint effort as a community of faith to increase our memorization of the scriptures, especially the Torah and the Gospels. So what exactly are we memorizing? Well, we're memorizing God's word. Literally memorizing God's word. We are specifically learning the first verses of each of the five books of Moses called the Torah. And the first verses of the five gospels. I'm including Acts in the gospels. And we have connected them in a certain way. In the early church lexicon... The Gospel of John was attached to the Torah, what was called the Septuagint, because the Greek Septuagint in Arche, in the beginning, was the same as John. The the scriptures were starting identically in the Greek and paralleled in the the, um, Hebrew. And so, between the Hebrew and Greek. So we are connecting Genesis and John. We will follow that by connecting Exodus with Matthew. Then we will connect Leviticus with Mark. And then we will connect Numbers with Luke. And finally Deuteronomy with Acts. And in that process, our goal is to learn to understand those books a little bit. Begin the process of even being able to read Uh, those first verses in the original languages themselves. I think it's a worthy task. It's not simply an exercise of, uh, isn't that cute, now we get a sticker. It's really about hiding God's word, treasuring God's word, saying that God's word means enough to us that we will effort ourselves in this direction. Now, how is memorization done? Well, If you don't go to an American school, memorization is fairly easy. But if you have been educated by the American education system, which for some reason believes memorization and learning are not connected, uh, you have been really taught to learn something for Friday's test and then promptly forget it. It's like those... uh, Etch-a-sketch things where you would draw it and then you'd shake it, okay? You learn it for the test and then you shake it and it's gone. And I see this over and over as I see university students who have no ability to learn. Their ability to learn has been taken out of them. Now, the capacity is still there. If I will give people uh, an assignment, or forget an assignment, If I ask on a Monday if anybody went to the movies over the weekend and some students say yes, 
All I have to say is, what did you see? They will tell me the plot. They will tell me who was in it. They will tell me some of the lines. They have all of the information. And they didn't study a thing. But if I assign that movie to be seen and studied and then given them an exam on that movie, they can't do it. That's the American education system. And we have got to understand that. Now, thank God, that means that a lot of the crap, I know I'm doing a sermon, a lot of the crap that they're teaching in schools won't stay with them. So that's good. But they need to be learning something along that process. So, how do you do this? You do it by hearing and repeating it. The system is called rote learning. That's the starting place. Hearing is not reading. If, I, if you take your Bibles right now and you read silently, which is a relatively new phenomenon, you will not remember what you've read. Reading historically is done out loud. You read out loud, looking at the words, hearing the words, and retaining the words. But reading is not the first place. Hearing is the first place. And so, just like in language, you hear the language that your parents are speaking, then you begin to approximate it. Hearing the verbal, oral context are first and then the written uh, context. So, hearing and repeating should be done with regular frequency. The material should be learned in pieces and in sections because human memory can group and string information together and then transfer that from the short-term memory to the long-term memory, which is the basis of real learning. So, I'm going to suggest that we use the Torah reading cycle to memorize these texts. Now, we've already started that last week and this week as we've entered it into our liturgy. We will do that each time. I hope you will take these papers and use them, but it won't work if all we do is in our service. At some point during the week, in your homes and in your personal life, you have to go through this stuff. And if you do that, you will, uh, you will memorize it pretty good. Frequency is an important part of memorization. The more frequently you hear something and repeat it, the quicker and the better you will learn it. Now, I created a block in my mind that I have for years tried to undo, and I am having a terrible time doing it. I have almost an inability to remember names. Now, I don't have a bad memory. If I grab my guitar, I can probably do two to four hours of rock and roll songs from memory that I learned when I was a rock and roll musician. I don't have a problem. And I know the names that are in there. But I don't know who wrote those songs and anything. I was so self-conscious when I was being introduced and someone else was being introduced that I almost don't hear when somebody says their name. If somebody walks up to me and says, my name is John, what is my name? I won't be able to tell them. It's so bad that one time I was introducing Linda. I know her name. 
And I was, I said to her, this person, this is him and his wife, Linda. And this is my wife. And I had used the name so I couldn't, for the sake of me, remember my wife's name. And she said, I'm also Linda. And I said, that's right. You know, so <laughs> names are awful. And, and uh, it's even worse for me because people seem to remember my name and then I feel terrible. So I like when name tags are in meetings because then I know who is there. So there are blocks that we have to work through and, and the older you get, the harder memorization is. The easiest time to memorize is uh, childhood. Uh, and since most of you have passed that, uh, you're in your second one and that doesn't work for memorization the same. Um, frequency is important. So I'm going to suggest that we do this together in worship. And that families or households do it at least once a week as well. What our household tradition is going to be, I'm going to add this to our uh, Friday night Shabbat uh, stuff. So as we do the other things, we're also going to do this uh, to tie it in. But I also intend to make use of it during the week. Uh, and so I'm going to take, and you can take extras, have these things. I want one at work and I want one at home. I want these things where I can begin to make use of it. Um, daily is good. Every other day is fine. Twice a week is, is better than only waiting for us to do it. But I'm hoping that you will engage this. Now, we learn at age-graded context. I just, oh, it's still there. I thought I knocked the mic off. So I'm going to suggest some things, but first let me ask you to read with me 1 Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 17. I think I did this again. It's 2 Timothy 3. Yeah, 2 Timothy 3, I'm sorry, uh, verses uh, 14 to 17. Now, in the context of this, Paul says that evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, you only have to spend five minutes on social media on groups that are religiously oriented to see that this is now fulfilled. Okay? Ignorance, stupidity, arrogance, and heresy are mixed together by well-meaning people who simply don't know the scriptures. Uh, and if they do know them, they know them a verse at a time. What I call, uh, Trevor and I, a few years ago, coined the idea of versomatic uh, Bible approach. You guys know the vegematic things where they put the vegetables in and you hit it and it breaks it into little pieces. Okay, that's what people do with their verse with their Bibles. They chop it into pieces and then they pull one out and here's your verse. Okay, it's totally out of context. You might as well put it in a fortune cookie, right? Uh, that is not knowledge of the scriptures. That's why we're learning extended passages, so that we begin to see context in that framework. So he goes on and says then, 
You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction or training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. We are in desperate need of the scriptures, and the prime time of learning it is childhood. So I'm going to give you what I'm hoping is the minimal standards that you will establish for those in your household uh, for what we're going to do this year. First of all, for children under the age of five, they are at a developmental stage where they are learning language, and this is a perfect time to begin to include a greater vocabulary for them, and a vocabulary that includes Hebrew and Greek words. They don't know that they're Hebrew and Greek. What they know is, if you say it, they can say it, right? So, what I'm going to suggest is that children at this age who are learning vocabulary and pronunciation should be taught the name of the book of the Bible that we are learning, in this case, Genesis and Bereshit. They should learn that this book has... The book, what are the, what's the book that we're learning? We're learning the book of Genesis. What is its other name? What's its original name? Bereshit. Okay? And you begin to give them vocabulary. You begin to give them pronunciation. In The other book that we're learning is John. The Gospel of John. Right? And what is that in Greek? Iwanes. Iwanes is John. And so they can get that. And... You learn it, they can learn it, okay? So, at that age, that's all. Now, you can go beyond that if you want, but I want you to try to do that with the children that are five and under. Now, the children that are over that, first through third grade uh, children, uh, they should be able to know the name of the book in its, and its original name, and the English and the original name, but they should also begin to recite the first verse of the book in both languages. In other words, they should be able to say, Barashit, Bara, uh, Elohim, Et, Hashemayim, Va'et, Ha'aretz. They should be able to say that. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They should be able to do the, the first verse of John and do it also in English. That's good enough. If they can do that, we have established something in those first and third graders uh, that they can take to show and tell, nothing else. Fourth through sixth grade, I think these children should be able to name the books in both languages, recite the first verse in each book, uh, in each language, and in addition, they should be able to memorize the extended verses in English. So, having said the Hebrew text and the English text they should then be able to do in the beginning was uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void darkness was upon the face of the deep obviously I'm using King James uh, 
And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. There was evening, there was morning, one day. They should be able to do that. And they should be able to do that with both of these books uh, in, in that context. Going through it, as we're going to go for almost 10 or 12 weeks, they should be able to pick that up. Now, we're not going to stop when we get to the next one, because we have to reinforce. If you, don't, you know, if you don't do that, you'll end up losing it. Now, what about us, adults? Say, wait a minute, you just about put the whole thing on, on the, those children. And uh, what about us? Well, from confirmation forward, which for us is somewhere in the range of 12 to uh, 16, we try to get the kids confirmed. You should be able to learn the names of the book, both languages, uh, the first verses in the languages and the extended passages in English. In addition, you should begin to recognize some words in the Hebrew and the Greek. Now, if you'll look at your little page, those of you who went through the Hebrew weekend say, oh, I really pull out that stuff. Uh, let me give you the first word you should begin to work on recognizing. It's the third word in. Begins with the olive. Uh, and then you'll see Elohim. The word for God. Beginning to recognize that word is an important word. If you want to begin with Bereshit, you can do that. That's the first one. And you begin to uh, recognize that word when you see it. And eventually you begin to write the letters yourself and you'll begin to know the, what the words sound like and what the letters sound like because you'll begin to get familiar with it. I'll help you with that as we go on the way. Now, for those of you who have a total language phobia, like a math phobia, I would suggest you go to the Greek one first because the letters are a little easier to recognize. If you'll look at the word logos, uh, you see the ups what looks like an upside down Y, that's the L sound, the lambda. And you see the uh, gamma, which looks like a Y, which is the G sound. The others are pretty close to what you're used to, and so you can read, you can recognize that word logos, or word. Now, Working towards a greater level of being able to actually see the text. To be able next year, when we roll the scroll out, to be able to look at that first line and recognize those words. To open up the Gospels and recognize those words begins a process of placing these words on our heart. In a very different way than, than has been. Now, in early Christianity and Judaism for most of its experience, this has been normative process. People would learn to read the scriptures. They might also learn their common tongue. But they would learn to read the scriptures. These are literate faiths. So, uh, the step would be for you to be able to read and recite those verses. Uh, and to be able maybe even to read and write the Greek and Hebrew names. 
And if you can do that, then maybe move to the point where you actually can write the whole verse. Okay? Now, we're all at very different places. All I'm asking you to do is take the next step with the step behind it in mind. So that you are developing and growing in grace and in knowledge of these issues. Uh, now, remember that language is always learned best uh, in the order of hearing it, then speaking it, then reading it, then writing it. In fact, many of you already have the Shema down, and it, you, you might find it easier to begin looking for those words in a, in a text and learning to write those because you've already, you're pretty, you don't even need it written, right? We come in, we're going to do the Shema, you don't go, oh, 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 oh. You, you, you have it down. You know it by heart. Those words have been impressed upon your heart. So you look down, you realize you didn't get a bulletin. We're doing the Shema. I'm okay. We're singing Kadosh. No problem. I can sing Kadosh, right? Shabbat Shalom. I got that one down, right? If we do some of the other ones, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai, I don't know if I got that one down, right? Hinematov, oh, what is that? We're going to work on that. You've already got a pretty good Hebrew vocabulary and some Greek. And we'll be able to bring this out so that it becomes more of a working knowledge and not just a, a memorization. I want you to be more than parrots for Christ. Okay? Or mockingbirds for Jesus. Right? I want you to not just be able to repeat after me whatever the heck we said. Uh, you know, I want you to be able to do that. Listen, generations are losing vocabulary. One of the struggles that Bible translators have now is that words are not known. Uh, I think it was Dr. Collins who told some students that they really should, uh, should learn from Dr. Carter because he's, a, he's got an encyclopedic knowledge. And they wanted to know what encyclopedic knowledge meant. Graduate students. We don't have dummies. It's the problem of the dumbing down of our educational system. So there's a vocabulary, a biblical vocabulary that we need to learn. And we need to know it well enough that when our children are learning it, we're reinforcing it and not making them say, well, this must be for kids because my parents can't do it. Right? So what I want us to do is start reinforcing each other with these words as we greet each other, you know? Uh, that will help. Let the kids tell you uh, what they're learning. You tell them. Do it together. This will do two things. One, it will reconnect us in fellowship. We're starting to, to kind of get used to just walking past each other, right? Uh, so we, that will help with that. But it's really important that, uh, that we do this. Now, why is it important? It's important because we're at a time when biblical literacy is at an all-time low. There is, uh, I think, two reasons for this. One, we no longer read the scriptures in churches. They shoot them up on a screen. You see them out of context. Uh, they're in different translations. That's another problem. All the different translations mean I, I do mine, you do yours. We have nothing in common. 
That's why we have an official English Bible for our lecture readings. And then we have the Greek and the Hebrew. I want us to do that. You can use all the others. I do too. But I want you, and as you know, I memorized in King James. And it's hard to undo what I've memorized. Thank God I haven't memorized, right? Other than just four hours of rock and roll songs, right? Uh, So I'm going to be uh, working on this too, where I haven't learned it in King James. I'm going to use the NASB uh, for that for that purpose. Um, But we live in a time when biblical literacy is an all-time low, and that's particularly in the church. Uh, The increasing number of Bible versions and quasi-Bible texts, things like the message, uh, add to biblical confusion. So to ensure that we, our children, our grandchildren, and our converts have a high view and deep respect for the Word of God, and so we won't forget the Lord, we're going to commit ourselves to a greater knowledge of the original text. I want the children to know there's a difference between this Bible and these sacred texts. These are the Word of God This is a translation, a version of the the scriptures that are helpful to us, very helpful to us. But these are the words that God gave. And we are trying to hide them, impress them, treasure them, lock them into our experience and into our heart. So when we include the ritual of removing and returning the biblical text to the ark, and increase our knowledge of those texts, we're going to remind ourselves and our children of the value and priority of God's Word in our lives. The goal that we've set is obtainable, and it's important. And I am hoping that you will give this your best effort for the glory of God and for the sake of our children who are growing up in a world that is getting darker and darker and darker. It is not going to be reinforced out there. It's going to be hostility. We must make sure that the word of God is in them. Not just they can recognize a Bible. Let's pray.